Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Thank you, men and women. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Colossians this morning. It's good to be in communication with the Lord all week long, so when we come to church, it's just another outflowing of His presence. And uh, <clears throat> as I've been praying and preparing for what God would have for me, Pastor Harold said he'll be gone and asked me to preach today. We took our teenagers to Gatlinburg, and it was just an amazing time, I thought, of being able just to spend five days isolated in a cabin, and uh, we celebrated the new year together, which is always fun to do. Um, I sometimes do an all-nighter. I'm not quite as young as I used to be, <laughs> and so all-nighters don't work well with me anymore. Uh, but right now, we're in the third Sunday of 2021. And uh, if you're like me, I like to reflect back on the previous year, the failures, the successes, the things I did wrong, the things I need to work on. And uh, we sometimes take an inventory in our life, and sometimes we may set resolutions. How many of you like to set New Year's resolutions? When I asked our teenagers this, I got like three hands. Does anyone in here set New Year's resolutions to lose weight, to read your Bible more? Okay, about the same amount of hands, which is great. Um, not, not that I'm preaching on resolutions this morning, but um, there's some things that we examine. And, and as I sat down and I examined 2020 and going into this new year, one big thing happened. Well, two really big things. One, we got pregnant, which wasn't expected. Um, but the second is we moved into a new home. As most of you know, and most of our listeners online or out in the parking lot know that we moved into a new home. And as we moved into this new home, some things that I saw in this verse is connected to this experience of moving. Uh, as we begin to clean our house, there were some things. And if you've ever cleaned your house, spring cleaning or moved yourself, some of these may resonate with you. Uh, you, you'll go through something and you'll say, you know what, this is something that I need to hold on to. It may be your favorite cast iron skillet. How many of you women like to cook with cast iron skillets? Okay, I love cooking with my cast iron. I'm a cooker. I like to cook. Um, I like to eat. That's why I like to cook. Um, but uh, when we, we went through some of these things and we began to go through our pots and pans, and some of them said, you know, this is a really good pot and pan. We're going to keep it. Some of them we said, you know what, we don't need that. And so we began going through rooms and telling the kids, there's some things in your room that are just junk. You need to get rid of them. And then we went down to our, our basement in the parsonage, and we pulled out this big blue tub that we've had at all of our houses and all of our moves. And Allie said, we're not moving this tub in our new house. So we began to go through this, and we found baby pictures, and we found Brody's very first outfit that he came home in the hospital with. And uh, we began to remember and, and reminisce on all these memories. Some of it was like, I can't believe I held onto that piece of paper. We're going to get rid of it. Like, sometimes you see that. And then there was this one thing where we came across, and um, well, I lived in Idaho for four years, but then before that, we were in Arkansas for four years. And as you know, Arkansas doesn't sell cheer wine. How many of you like cheer wine in here? Okay, Salisbury is where I'm from. We're the capital, the home. That's where cheer wine was invented and made and bottled. And so I love cheer wine, and you couldn't get it in Arkansas. And so for my birthday and various things, Allie would ship in the best type of cheer wine, which is in the bottle. Okay, if you're going to drink cheer wine, you got to get it into the bottle. You can get it. 
at many places, but a good place to get it's Haps in Salisbury. You can get the glass bottle. It's a great place. Uh, and so she bought me this, this 24, I think, pack of, uh, of Cheerwine, and I began, we would go to basketball games and twist off that glass top bottle, and I would sit the, the lid down beside me on the, on the bench as we were watching a basketball game, and I would get up and leave, and I would think maybe it fell off, and when I got to this box of blue box, I found 10, 15, 20 lids of Cheerwine tops. And Allie, while we were there dating and, and going through life, she would reach over and grab that Cheerwine top and she would write a date on it. She took it home and she put it in a, in a glass jar because she wanted to remember what was going on. She wanted to remember that moment in time. And so as I began studying and thinking, this, these verses came to my mind and this is a sermon that I heard preached years ago when I was in college and God brought it back to my mind. And, and so I'm going to try to preach it the best that I can. Uh, a familiar challenge. And so if you have your Bibles and you've turned there, would you stand with me to Colossians chapter three, verses one through four. We're going to look at a familiar challenge, nothing really new this morning, but I hope it challenges and touches your heart. And it says this, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For we are dead, and your life is hid in Christ Jesus, and Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And Father, I just want to come and just thank you for this reading of your scripture. Thank you for allowing us to be able to come and worship you this morning, and your spirit moved through here and touched my heart. I pray that you'll use the words that I'm going to say to represent you well and get the thoughts out of my mind that shouldn't be said. For it's in your name we pray, amen. So these verses, you can be seated, I believe, give us some things that Christ sort of asks us to do as we look through these challenges. And so our first point as we jump right into the message for sake of time is this. Some things in our life must be retained. Some things in our life must be retained. As we cleaned our house, we found several items that were of important to us. Some things that we knew that we couldn't get rid of. Because they were valuable to us. And in a spiritual sense, Paul is telling us that there are a couple of precious spiritual gifts in our life that we must hold on to. We must retain. And the first one is this, is our foundation. He starts out by saying in this verse, if ye then have been risen with Christ. And a lot of people, when they read that verse and they read the word if, they think of it as well as a possibility. But when you really see this word for what it means, it says, since you have been risen with Christ. It is a declarative statement saying that almost like if you were to go to your kid and say, you know, a statement of if, but it's really a statement of certain certainality, a statement that's saying that since you have been risen. Now, someone who is not a Christian who reads this may look at it and say, if you've been risen with Christ, well, I've never had that opportunity to be risen with Christ. So it would be an if statement. But for the believer, it is a sense of since you have been risen. And this is our spiritual position with Jesus, our foundation, the thing that we are able to grab onto and hold on for our entire life. The Bible says in a spiritual sense that when Jesus Christ died the penalty of death, when he went into that tomb, we also spiritually went into that tomb. And when he spiritually rose from the dead, we spiritually rose from the dead. When we do baptism, I use the statement 
buried with him in his likeness. And I make this statement, raised to walk in newness of life as a picture of us being raised to life because Christ was raised from the dead. There is this sense in which every child of God is dead. We're dead to our sins and we've been risen to newness of life. As I was studying this out, I, I like to listen to podcasts, as a lot of people know. I was listening to a very brand new podcast that came out called The Young Baptist Pastors. I'm sorry, The Young Baptist Podcast. Just a bunch of young pastors that have been in a church about 10, 12 years of ministry, and they're just talking about their experiences. And one of the guys named Clay made this statement about C.S. Lewis, and he said that in one of his writings, he said that Jesus wrote himself into the story. I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking about Jesus writing himself into the story. It would be like this. A newspaper editor, a novel, a book writer, which I'm not a writer whatsoever, uh, would be reading their book and would say there's something missing in this story. Maybe the characters don't line up. There's not enough interaction. And that author to say, you know what? The only way to make this story right is if I write my character into the story. And that's what Jesus did. If you can imagine for a moment, he's sitting up in heaven. And, and I know from the foundation of the world, this has already been declared. But if you can imagine, just imagine with me, Jesus standing up there and looking down at the world and saying, there's just something not right. There's just something not right in the world. And the only way that I can fix it is if I write myself into the story. If I write myself into the story of the world and I put me in that story and I took that thought a little bit further and he looked at my life and he said, there's something not complete in his life. I've got to write myself into his story. I'm going to come down and I'm going to write myself into his story when he was five years old. And I'm going to work through his life and I'm going to do the things in his life because his life is not complete in church. Our life is not complete unless Jesus is in our story. Our foundation, the thing that makes us who we are. But as we go through this world, as Lucas just said, sometimes our heart gets heavy with the world. And the way I put it in my notes is this, our focus. Not only do we need to retain our foundation, but our focus. It says, since you have been raised from God, seek those things which are above. This word seek is a continual seeking word. It's not just on day one you're going to seek God and you're good, but every single day you're going to seek him. You're going to seek those things which are above. It continues on to say, set your affections. If you look at that word affections, it actually means your heart. Set your heart on things which are above. Because church, if we are focused on this world, we will get bogged down. A study here you can continue on. I don't have time to preach it, but you can continue on. I'm going to give these thoughts to you in the verses very quickly. But as you read on in, in chapter 3 in verses 5 through 9, it says that we should focus on a clean and holy life. In verse 3, verses 10, chapter 3, verse 10, it says a deeper knowledge of Jesus. In chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, it says godly virtues. In chapter 3, verses 18 through 24, it says holiness in our home life. In chapter 3, verses 22 through chapter 4, verse 1, it says holiness in our social life. In chapter 4, verses 2, it says an effectual prayer life. And then in chapter 4, verses 3 through 6, it says a fruitful 
witness. Paul is giving this thing and he is saying your focus should be on these things. And as I begin looking at that and, and studying out because you never want to just stay there. You want to read the context of the scripture. I began to correlate because over the, since January, I've started reading through the gospels in depth. I've read through the entire Bible before, but my challenge was the first two months of the year, I'm going to study and read and invest my time and my life in Bible study in the life of Jesus. The person that we follow after as a Christian, that is our, our example of who we should live by. And when I began reading those and studying through those different things from chapters 3 verses 5 through 4 through 6, I began to see that this was the life of Jesus that Paul was saying. In other words, we're to live like Jesus lived. Our focus should be on how he lived his life. He had a clean and holy life. He had godly virtues. He was holy in his home. He was holy in his social life. He had a prayer life where he would get away from his disciples and he would go and he would invest time in prayer. He would do these things and he was a fruitful witness. We are to allow our heavenly perspective to influence and govern our earthly walk. Every decision, activity, plan, purpose is to be considered in the light of eternity. And that's what our life is supposed to be when we focus our life in on Jesus. But not only is there some things that we should be retained for sake of time, there are some things that we must release. There are some things that we must let go in our life. As we cleaned our house, we came across several things that we classified as junk. And we filled the dumpster up and the dumpster came guy and came and cleaned it because it was just junk that we were holding on to. We gave our kids trash bags and we said, go in your room. And if you haven't played with a toy in the last year, get rid of it. Put it in this bag. We're going to take it to Goodwill. Some other kid can use it. And so there's times in our life we've got to get rid of some things. In our spiritual life, the same is true. We must let go of some things. And this really, this point right here is the hardest for me to preach because it's easy to talk about things that we should hold on to. And at the end, we're going to talk about things that we should remember. But when it's talking about getting rid of things, it's a very hard part in our life because we want to hold on to things. It's in our nature to hold on to things. And really the second point is the absolute hardest for me to preach under this. But the first one is this false doctrine. Paul warns the early believers about those false doctrines that are around them. He says, set your things on, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead. It talks about this deadness of, of doctrine around them. And, and if you go through and you look at back uh, in verses um, 2, verses 8, it talks about these. You can look at it. But it says philosophies, the wisdom of men instead of the wisdom of God. Vain deceit, traditions of men, rudiments of the world. And as I look through those things, times in my life where I begin to see, I do things out of rudiments, out of routine. As I began thinking through this and, and even thinking back on that jar of Cheerwine lids, I remembered that when me and Alice first started dating, to hear her voice on the phone, butterflies got in my stomach. Okay, guys, if you, you dated a girl and you're married, you can probably relate. And, and when I would get a text message and it would say, Allison, I got a little excited. When I would see her come into a room in all of her beauty, I, I began to get excited. And I still get excited today, don't get me wrong. But too many times we've allowed the rudiments of the world 
to overtake our thoughts of God. When we first got saved, when we first was a Christian, the, 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 the Bible was precious to us. Man, being able to pray to God and get down and tell him our needs was precious. But over time, it began to get stale. It began to get not as sweet as it used to be. Because that's what the rudiments of the world will do. And he challenges us to go toward the true doctrine, to go deeper in his word. The second thing here, not only is it false doctrine, but the one that I struggle with the most is this, foolish demands. Paul begins to warn his believers to watch out for people that place them back under the law. For the first 25 years of my life, I was in ministry for several of those years, but all the churches that we were in, my wife included, were very legalistic in a manner. I'm going to define that for you. What it simply means is adding to salvation, legalism. I was preached as a, as a young person, as a teenager, that movie theaters were wicked. You can't go to the movies because if you go to the movies, you're not going to be saved. My wife was preached to as a, as a young person that if you're a woman and you wear pants, you're not a Christian. That's legalism, church. That is what we were under, the bond of, of legalism in our life. And, and I can remember as a 15-year-old boy, I was excited about serving God, excited about doing things. And I went into a church after a football practice because it was in the summer and it was hot. And I was getting ready for vacation Bible school as just a young person. And we were going to paint some, some banners and paint some, some, some background stuff for the stage. And I remember walking in from football practice with shorts on and a t-shirt because I knew we were painting. I knew I was going to get dirty that day and my pastor stopped me. He grabbed me by the shoulder and he said, you're going to serve God in a church with shorts on? And my spirit was crushed. I'm trying to serve God here. I'm trying to do what I think is right and all of a sudden he's judging me on my attire. And as I began studying through this and thinking back to this and reading through the gospels, Jesus says that when Jesus was with the Pharisees, when he was with the tax collectors and the publicans and eating dinner with them, the Pharisees sat outside and mocked him. And Jesus said that you are like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful on the outside, but inside you're rotting and you're dead in yourself. And this is what my mind went back to is too many times we're trying to get the exterior right and never worry about the interior. But God says, if you will perfect the interior, there is nothing that will stop the exterior from being right. But it starts on the inside. And too many times as a young person, I was preached, and I preached to my teenagers in our first ministry, is fix the outside before we worried about the inside. And that's the foolish demands of the world. Spirituality comes from knowing Jesus and allowing him to live through you. It's not... Dressing up the outside and cutting our hair and making sure we look right to fit the part. Jesus says, is, if it's wrong, I will fix that. But that's what I struggle with because my exterior is what I want people to see. And I struggle with these demands because in my mind, I still struggle with legalism. I still struggle with, well, what are people going to think about me? What are people going to say about me? And it's so hard to break these two. So not only false doctrine, not only foolish demands, but the last one is fleshly deeds. And in these verses, as they continue on in verses 5 through 10, Paul begins to say, these are some things in your life. And if you want to write them down, I'm going to read through them very quickly. I don't have time to go through them. It's a good study for you. If you want to study these out this week, because the Bible is great to go deeper. 
These are some fleshly deeds that the Bible says in verses 5 through 10. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affections, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying. If any of these things are in our life, church, we've got to put them away. We've got to get rid of them because they will hinder our walk. This is an illustration that I'm sure you've heard before. It's not new to me. It's not, I heard it when I was a kid, but, but imagine your fleshly desires and your spiritual desires as two dogs inside of a pit. And whichever one you feed the most is going to become stronger and stronger and stronger. And if you feed the flesh, that dog is going to get stronger and stronger and it's going to overcome the spiritual dog. But if you only feed the spiritual dog, you will starve the flesh and the spiritual life will overcome. And so who in our life are we feeding? Are we getting up and are we enjoying our Bible study and our time in God's word and our time in prayer of going through our prayer list and going through our desires that are with us? Are we starving our flesh and feeding our spirit? But lastly, as, as time, I want to go to this last point. There are some things in our life that must be remembered. And as I said, as we went through that, that tub, as we went through the things in that, in that time, we began to go down memory lane. We began to look at our college degrees and our ordination certificate and, and our marriage license and all the things that, that we remember as we pack up things. But, but yesterday I went to, like I said, who was my second cousin, but I considered him an uncle. And I remember as a kid, knee-high, small, going to his house every year at Christmas. And his wife is Carolyn, and we were at her house yesterday, and we were talking about this. And I remember she liked to collect Coca-Cola. She was a Coca-Cola lady. She, everything in her house was Coca-Cola. She had like several Coca-Cola Christmas trees every year at Christmas because she had so much stuff for Coca-Cola. But Lawrence, he liked to collect walking sticks. And as we were sitting there yesterday, Carolyn walked in, and she said, I've got something for you. This is one of his walking sticks that he collected. And for you, it's just a piece of wood. It's nothing. But for me, I can remember going in and standing at his collection of hundreds, if not thousands of walking sticks. Some that were out of the Smithsonian. Some that he saw when he would go on trips across the seas. And I remember sitting there and, and having this bond with Lawrence. And when she brought this into me, my mind went back to those times every year when I was at his house. I begin to remember things about Lawrence and the things about, and if you've ever went through a, a death, you will begin to experience those memories, those good memories that you had. And as I begin to remember our life with Christ, these verses give us a couple of things to remember. The first thing we should remember is this in verse three, the first part of verse three, there was a death. It says, for ye are dead. And I mentioned this at the beginning when we're reminded that we have died to sin and the influence of this world. And the surest way for a child of God to ensure spiritual victory is to live your life under the thought of being crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.12 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Because before we were crucified with Christ, we were living a dead life. But God says, now that you have been crucified and now you are dead to the world and dead to sin, you can now live your life. Second thing I want to look at is not only a death, but a deposit. 
When we were saved, we were given new life, and there was new life that was imparted upon us. Second Peter says there was this divine nature that was given to us. This new life guarantees the believer's eternal security because we're hidden in Christ. Me and my wife like to look at, watch crime shows. We like to look at police detective agencies and things like that. And there's this thing called protective custody. When someone is, is going to be a witness or, or whatnot, they will put them in protective custody to keep them, to hide them, to protect them. When I read this verse's deposit, I began to think of Jesus taking our life and putting us into protective custody. So that the Satan and the world and the things of this world and the fleshly desires will not be able to come at us. And will not be able to destroy us because there's been a deposit in our life. Now there will be things that happen in our life. I'm not saying that just because you're a Christian all these things are taken away. But what I will say is the enemy cannot overtake you. Because he cannot overcome Jesus. Jesus proved that in the garden. He proved that on the cross. He proved that in the grave when he spent three days in hell for us. And, and tortured and, and suffered our pain. He overcame that so that we don't have to go through that. So not only is there a deposit, but also lastly, in verse 4 it says there's a dream. For when Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then we shall also appear with him in glory. Paul closes this paragraph reminding us that our world is not the best there is. And that we can deny the flesh down here because it will be worth it all when we stand before him. The battle of Satan will be gone when we stand before God because he is looking forward to what is to come. And right now every believer in this room struggles with the world, the flesh, and the devil every single day. We deal with the world because we live in it. We deal with the flesh because it's part of us. And our human, our earth, our, our, our human desires are still part of us. And we struggle with the devil because he's in our life. But each of these enemies do not define who we are. One day the battle will be over. The flesh will be destroyed. Satan will be destroyed. This world will be burned up. And God said we're going to stand before him. Worshiping and praising his name. In a perfect, perfect world. As our musicians play, and I want to wrap this sermon up, is, is this. I want you to take a look inside and, and really focus on our life. As we stand here into a new year of 2021, think of your life. Think of the things we've done and, and ask yourself this question. Are there some things in your life that you need to hold on to that you haven't been holding on to? our foundation, our focus, the things that we are supposed to be focusing on. Has our focus been taken away from God? Has our focus been sometimes distracted? Are there some things in your life that you need to release? My life, it's that legalism. It's, it's that fleshly demands that, that I struggle with every day. I'm telling you that an altar is, is an amazing place because you can come down and you can ask God to do some powerful things in your life and you can give and you can release just like we took that junk and we put some of that to goodwill or some of that to places, but some of we just put in the dumpster. And when that trash man came and took it, I did not have to worry about it again because it was gone. And that's what this altar is for. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic. 
And I know that people sometimes get scared and, and I'm asking you, if you want to come down, no one's going to mob you. No one's going to attack you. No one's going to jump on you and slobber and spit on you. Let's respect people's privacy this morning. I'm not even going to come and pray with you unless you ask me to. But there are some things that we need to release in our life if we're going to move forward for Jesus. And there are some things in our life that we must be remembered. Don't forget the things that, that God has done for us. Take a trip down memory lane and say, God, what is it that you want me to remember this year for your glory? What are some things that you want me to do that maybe I promised you last year that I didn't do that I need to do this year? There's needs here this morning. And what the Lord has spoken to you about, come and pray at this altar. Whatever the need may be today, listen to the voice of the Lord. Father, just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your grace on our lives. And as we go into this invitation, that you would get the honor for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.